Hello, I'm Glyn Fussell and welcome to We Can Be Heroes. In this podcast, I get to know creative misfits, underdogs, wild rebels and those people who have stuck one giant middle finger up to society and live life their way. I can't wait to introduce you to some people who embody what it means to be absolute champions. So prepare yourself as we dive in and meet some amazing individuals who have inspired, stood up for change and say, I am here. We are diving right in with my amazing friend who has an amazing genius album, which I've had the pleasure of listening to, dancing to, staying up late to. It's called Last Man Dancing. It's the amazing Jake Shears. Hi. Hi. Um, I did get the name of the album wrong before, but there is a reason behind that. I called it Last Man Standing and I've known you for many years and very often you and I have been the last men standing at any party. Yes. Um, And this is, I think, the ultimate party album. Thanks. Yeah, I I hope it is. I feel like it's something that you could put on. I mean, I remember it was a year ago, almost exactly, that I brought it over to your house. And we listened to it on loop. Listened to it on loop. (laughs) And just stayed up. You know, we just like we're having a great time. It was so fun, and it was when I first met uh, you know Jade, Jade Adams, um, yes. and and you know it was. I, w- what's been fun about this record is I've had the time and the opportunity to test drive it in scenarios like that, and like sort of see how it goes and how it sounds. Well, we danced that night, we and did. I remember being completely blown away as someone that's known you for many years because. The whole album felt like a complete showcase of all of your loves, of all of the things that you love, all the sonically or things that have happened in your life. But I remember when you played it, you were so crazy nervous. Yeah. Explain that. Because it blew me. It just feels like a very confident album. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's that there's it, when you're playing new stuff and, and for the, early on and there's... You know, I'm hypercritical because I'm looking at mixes and stuff. There's mixed stuff that I'm going to hear that no one else is going to hear. There's like, you know, there could be an old version of being like, oh my God, that's not the version that I meant to play. Um, You know, I don't know. And also, you just never know how something's going to, how something's going to read. And you learn so much playing music for your friends. You learn so much about your new stuff when you play it for your friends you hear it through their ears and it really tells you all you need to know when you're making music and when you're test driving it you just play it for your friends and you can you can hear what needs what doesn't need to happen what's good what's not working what you need to work on like it really becomes apparent who have been those friends for you that have been hypercritical or Really endorsed your music. It's not even, you know, it's, it's funny. It's not even hypercritical. It's just hearing something through people's ears. You and how they just, react? Yeah, just kind of, it's almost like uh, going to see a play in previews. Mm. You know, when you're seeing a, or a musical in previews or something, you can tell when the audience is, is when you're losing the audience a little bit or when attention is waning or you can, you just, you see it through, other people's eyes. Um, but, you know, I've, I've got so many friends over the years that just like, there's, when I'm making music, there are people that I 
am just so excited to play it for. And I think I need to have people in my head that I'm making the music for in the first place. And I feel like going over to your place and playing stuff would be that is what I'm talking about. Like yeah. that gets me excited. If I'm making something in my head while I'm writing a song, I could actually be like, oh my God, this is going to sound so great at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, at Glenn's house. Oh yeah. The <laughs> you know, I can't is. wait to, I cannot <laughs> wait for everybody to hear it, you know? And that kind of stuff like is, that's what I'm thinking about sometimes when I'm, when I'm writing, it's more it's more so about playing it for friends and people I love than even like an audience. Well, I mean, thinking about that eight o'clock moment at my house, it was right after the last ever Sink the Pink, which you kindly performed at, which felt very correct. Um, and it it takes a lot once Jade at uh, Jade Adams has crashed to get her out of bed. And do you remember she passed out? She came around to my house. She passed out in the spare room. And then we started playing the record. And then she just appeared in the front room. <laughs> right, I must dance to this. And we got it. We got her from the, the the tomb that she was in. I I remember when I listened to a couple of the tracks, just thinking how bold this is. Like there's a lot of risks on this album. Um, in particular, Devil Came Down on the Dance Floor isn't even you on the lead. No. And I remember being like, well, he's surely going to change that and put his vocal back on. But that's not the case. Why did you make that choice? No, I wanted this record to... Uh, I wanted it to show my love for just making music and, and producing songs and, and songwriting. I, I don't care about singing on everything. Like I wanted this record to be kind of a piece and, and not me just shrieking all over it. I mean, the first version of Devil Came Down the Dance Floor, the song was just sitting there. It just didn't work. It had me singing on it. I sang the original demo and I just didn't like it. It felt redundant. I felt like I've done this before. Me you know, singing a disco song. It was just yeah. like, like it just didn't, it didn't really work for me. And then when I had the idea to put Amber on it, the song came alive. I mean, it's like a disco exorcism, that Oof. song now. It, when every, you know, you listen to a song for the first time, it really grabs you and you get the, you know, the hairs on your arms. It does it every time. When I hear that track, when she goes for those giant oh. notes, you, you're just floored. And we just did that. We just recorded those vocals in my living room in New Orleans. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to be an artist in the future now and in the future. I want to make Jake Shears tracks that I don't sing on that yeah. have other people singing on them um, because I just you know that's why I love making musicals. I love putting my songs in other people's voices, um, and so it's not just about you know no one. I don't I don't think I could really be accused of necessarily having some like lead singer ego thing you know i, I it doesn't that. it doesn't I, i'm not i don't necessarily have to be the the center of attention but i do want to want to make you do want to create i want to create it i mean disco and your love of clubs and your and your love of club music actually is just so evident throughout the album but not in a i love going out reckless way it feels very considered <laughs> and it's like it's very you know you're very serious about the fun on this album. Yes. Where, you know, what were those clubs? I mean, I know that you love going out. You do love going out. I but do. you also take it very seriously. You go out, you listen to the music, you want to know who the DJs are. Yes. So what 
what informed this record? I mean, I'll tell you, like Soul Wax played Printworks and lately I've been, you know, I've been working so hard. It's like, and there's so much going on. I'm even trying to just stay out of like crowded rooms just because I can't, you know, I've just, I kind of isolate myself sometimes when I'm working. And, and I, so I was like, I couldn't go see Soul Wax at Printworks. But I did find two hours of someone's cell phone <laughs> video <laughs> of the set. <laughs> and I listened to the whole thing through someone's, you know, iPhone wow. because I just wanted, I had to know what they were playing and it killed me that I could not be there. Yeah. And I had to know what they were playing. So like, that's just how I find new music so much of the time and how I, how I get, I don't know. Sometimes I can hear something that I've never heard before on a, on a dance floor and it will inspire a whole It'll give me an epiphany of yeah. some kind, you know? I mean, that happened with Scissors, Scissors, Nightwork. Because you're a musical magpie. You really are. I mean, again, we'll talk about that eight, eight in the morning party at my house with the end of, with just you and I just playing tracks to each other nonstop, which is your favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I think like, by the yeah. end, I think I was playing some like weird jazz. Yeah, no, I loved it. It was like <laughs> really, some, like, really 80s surreal, music. surreal Italian <laughs> disco. I know that it ended with Bette Midler, um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with Jade I think that also got Jade out of there because yeah. all of a sudden there was a, a kinship on yeah. your love of Bette Midler <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then I knew it was my time to tap out <laughs> and I could hear just you two singing <laughs> Bette Midler duets till, till whenever it was oh god when so I cool. think about your career though and when I think about you as a friend as a human there is one word that just pounds through and that's creativity because creativity is such a complex Mm. practice is a complex uh exercise to have to keep you know realizing ideas is exhausting Mm. but i'm always fascinated by unpicking someone's creativity so Mm. lay lay down yeah dr glimfussel is about to unpick you so what where do you find the source of most your ideas and and your creativity um i am i consume so much i'm constantly listening to music, trying to discover stuff, stuff that I've never heard, older stuff, newer stuff, music-wise, and just and and always just sort of taking it in. Uh film, I I I I'm a massive film geek, so I'm constantly taking that in. I read a ton. So those are kind of the three main things. I also do love my video games, but I don't know if that really feeds my imagination. <laughs> That's for me just switching my brain off. But uh I take in a lot and it's important to me to um, get bored, take take time of doing nothing. I'm a big proponent of being lazy. I'm very disciplined and I work very hard. I'm also extremely lazy and I love doing nothing. Oh God, that, I, I could, that rings so true to me. It's this one extreme to the next yeah and there there's no middle ground it's one or the other yeah yeah exactly i i i feel like ter- being able to just like switch off and 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 kick back do nothing just like sort of let it it's so important but that takes a you know that level of discipline and that practice takes a real understanding of yourself and takes a long time so what was the realization when you were younger that you were a creative kid. Well, I mean, I was, I was, it was 
early on, as soon as I could pick up a pen and, and start writing and stuff, I was like writing fiction and, um, you know, I was just the, the amount, I mean, just going back through boxes, my, I moved my parents off their farm and my mom never threw anything away. And I went back through just like everything from my youth and the amount of writing that I organized was just like, I had no idea I wrote so much and organized it all. And it was just almost, I don't know. It was, it was really cool to see. Cause I just you didn't remember any of it. I didn't realize. I mean, I, as far as, as far as, as far, what, what you were writing. Oh God, just wild stories. Yeah. Wild. There was, there's so much of it that I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I wrote a lot and, and that just kind of like that kept through. And when I was a teenager, I was, I knew I wanted to do something. I knew I was going to do something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was going to be writing fiction. I didn't know if it, you know, I loved making songs. Uh, I wanted to get up in front of people and like perform. I didn't know what it was going to be, but it, I, I, ha I knew I had to do something. But there's one and, thing to be a creative kid and there's another to be a, a weird alternative queer creative kid. Mm. Did that, you know, really feed your imagination? Because there's that want to get out and run away and escape. Well, I did a lot of my growing up on an island of 3,000 people. So there's very, you know, my, my, my keys to the world were uh, the, the music section at the gas station. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the petrol station had a, you know, a, a little, you know, cassette and CD section. And I could order stuff in. Um, there's that, and then there is like the the just the video rental, and those were just my those that that was my that's link to the outside world, living on this little island um, that was pretty isolated. But do you think the isolation led to you having to work harder on your imagination? Yeah, I mean, I th I think it 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 definitely made me very hungry, not having access to music that I wanted, not having access to, to films that I knew were out there. It made me really hungry. And I, I left home when I was, you know, when I was 15 years old, basically. Right. And uh, in search of that, just to find, I just wanted to be seeing music. I wanted to be, I, I wanted to, I, I was just, I was starving. So obviously it was inevitable that you'd end up in the sort of New York underground scene. <laughs> well, okay. you know, it's funny. I went to, I went to LA for, for a year for my freshman year of college and, and, and it just wasn't right for me. I remember just being, I was 17. I was, I was young for, for going away to school, but I was 17 years old, you know, out, um, in Los Angeles. And I just like, I couldn't get laid. <laughs> I was like, I'd been out for like a few years and it was just like, there was no other young people like my age that were out at the time. I'm talking, weren't this 96? Yeah. Um, so I was having a really hard time finding like any sort of community. Um, and I just figured if LA is not where I need to be, I knew New York was, even though I'd never been there. I just knew I had, I was like, I guess I'm going to have to go to New York because this isn't what I'm looking for. It's, and I have a suspicion that that probably is. It's weird, the calling of a city. And yes. When, when I felt that about London, I'd never been, I'd literally never mm. been here, but it was just calling my name. I knew, and I, there was a fear as well. You know, this like yeah. burning pit of fear in my stomach that I knew 
if I go there, I'm going to be a completely different person. My life's going to change, but I've got to go. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? Cities can call you. Yeah. The thing about that time, though, that I think is really interesting and I feel so lucky for is just like, you know, there weren't phones. There yeah. wasn't even the internet when you're getting kind of back in there. I mean, I, I wasn't using email until I was like well into college. So I think that there is something, there is something to be said for that. And I think that there's something that is lost now to a degree in clubland especially i know that when we started to think the pink there was no phones there was no people taking pictures mm. and we were making a lot of mistakes we were being messy mm. Mm. no one could document it you try <laughs> and find those pictures <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> god horrendous you know if i knew the night was bombing i would literally just take all my clothes off and just like stage dive <laughs> no yeah. one needs to see that and thank god they never will <laughs> but there's something about those messy spaces you know whether it and there's you know there's a real synergy between i think the new york underground scene and east london which is there's mm -hmm. no coincidence why you've sort of straddled both yes what do you think it is about these spaces that not only attract you but attract so many like-minded creative geniuses it's 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 hard for me to say now i don't really like i i don't know what i don't know quite what the lay of the land and what the story is now um you know then when I think back to New York and this and the sort of the the club world that like I I was sort of developing my ideas in, what was amazing about it was that there I just saw an opportunity. I think in clubs, mm. if you've got an idea, <laughs> you know, it's, oh my God. there's a way to get it to, to play. Yeah, there's a way to get yeah. it up in front of people if you really want to. You know, and for better and for worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God knows we've been in some clubs and seen oh, some really bad yeah. shit. But, but you know, there, there's, I feel like there's an opportunity and it's, it's like, it is a space to go in and, and play around. And I think that that's, that, that was very vital to, to what I was doing. Like when I got to New York, like, again, I didn't know what it was I was supposed to be doing. I was like, go, go dancing. I wanted to like, the time I was obsessed with Margot Kidder. Who's that? She played Lois Lane in the Superman oh, movies yes, and she was a real disaster and they found her in some bushes with teeth missing. You know, she was having some real issues. Oh, poor Margo. And, and but I was I was just like fascinated by it. I wanted to make a musical about it. So that was my idea. I wanted to have like a big Margot Kidder arts and crafts night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like that's not that wasn't the thing, <laughs> but it was like where my head was yeah. going. Like I think when I mean when I discovered East London, there it was like I got to have a go again at those experimental teen years, mm, mm -hmm. which you don't really as a queer kid, right? No. Because you're living very much in your own head. Yes. And introspectively. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I can do all these things. I can try all these things. I can have wild ideas. Yeah. And because it's my club, I can put them on stage. Yes. It's such a crazy thing. When you listen now, well, not even now, anytime to that first Scissors album, mm. you can hear it all in there you know mm. you can it's, it's very dorothy wizard of oz <laughs> moment right you know it reminds me of that small town boy moment coming yeah. to a big city it's got heartbreak it's got real sense of humor pain it's queer it's all of those things 
And I think that's the the beauty of um, when you're storytelling, right? Through music well, or just, through creativity. I mean, this memory just popped in my head when you're talking about that. And I remember Return to Oz, the last song on the first Scissor Sisters album. And like, I remember I'd been working so hard on the lyrics had come to me and I was writing them in the back of a cab. And I went to the gym and my bag got stolen at the gym. And I remember those first lyrics like vanished. And I was heartbroken, but immediately I was back on it just trying to remember exactly what those lyrics were. And I mean, it's kind of a random memory, but it's a very vivid, vivid time. And the hardship of a big city yeah. when you're trying to find your way. Yeah. There's something beautiful when you timestamp with song or with any kind of art and it's, you know, you've told the story. It's come directly from your life, your experiences. So what are those songs on that first album or any Scissors songs for that matter that the minute you hear them now, you go, I was there. This is what I was feeling. This is what was going on. I mean, Mary off of the first album is, is definitely one of those one of those songs. I wrote it for one of my best friends. And and I remember I was very hungover in the studio one morning. And it that, that I remember that song just spilling out and realizing sort of in that moment how special it was and what it what it sort of meant to me and what it meant for our friendship. I remember us making Filthy Gorgeous. And originally, like our original idea for that song was that it was going to be two separate songs. One was going to be called Filthy and the other one was going to be called Gorgeous. And they were going to be on opposite sides of the record. Then somehow we had the idea to put the words together. And I remember going home. I mean, we were so excited that I would like get home or I had to fly to my parents or something. And Scott was still working on it. And like, we'd seriously be on the phone, like with the receiver up to the studio speaker, um, you know, giving notes and talking about it and listening to whatever work had been done that day. I mean, you, we, we, this is a time where you couldn't just send it there. You wouldn't send MP3s. We were literally on phones listening to like, if someone had an idea, we'd have the phone up up to the speaker or if i had a lyrical idea god this is re- this gets really wild i would um call either scott's or my answering machine voicemail and that's how we <laughs> left voice notes and lyrical and melody ideas were on we're on voicemails. That's kind of the only quick way you could sort of figure out how to record an idea get, if it, getting it out your brain yes, as well yes exactly so you talk about ideas. Have you, over the years, because it takes a lot of faith having a moment like that. You're walking down the street, you get inspired by something in a flash. It's so easy now, right? You just drop a little voice note. You yeah. like a mad person walking down the street. Yeah. How much better have you got at trusting those ideas? I mean, are there still clangers? Um, I, I don't feel like they, they necessarily don't come as fast and furious, uh, but... I, I, I really do try to like keep my ears open. Something I'm really realizing lately that is that I'm that I think is a big deal that I need to be thinking about is I do love my AirPod Pros. And they, but they do shut you off from the world around you. And I do get a lot from hearing other people talk and hearing other people's conversations and eavesdropping. And I have over the years gotten a lot of ideas from that. Yeah, right. And just, and I, I, I suddenly realize, oh, this is shutting me off from 
from from something that that's always sort of given me ideas it's sort of cutting one of my senses off so that's something for instance that i've been thinking about lately but i think it's important to relax about it i mean listen when when baby daddy and i turned that songwriting into monday through friday 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. songwriting it just died the death because it wasn't this impulsive. We just and... turned it into a job. Right. And and I was so, you know, determined. And it was just so interesting how the more we did that, the more diminishing returns were. I mean, between that second and third records, there's I've I've got a I've got a a Dropbox full of 150 songs. Wow. Like just where, where will they go? song after song after song after song. And and there's some there's some great bits in some of them. You wow. know what I mean? But it's just like I look at that and I realize how lost we were. Um because we weren't I'd stopped living my life. I completely stopped living my life. It just became about that and the pressures were so great that I was just focused on that and what I ended up realizing is that that's not that's not doable and you have to live your life and actually switch that ratio live your life mostly and and then when ideas come get them down and go in and 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 make time set aside one week here one week there but you can't just do you can't just go and yeah. go and go and not live and expect for great ideas and concepts to still come they just won't how fully formed are your ideas now you've been doing this a long time but you're also you don't just write solo albums you know you're you're a multidisciplinary mm. artist <laughs> you do so much there's musicals you know i feel like you've really branched out so once once you have once you're inspired by something you get an idea is it fully formed and do they do they live so they go in that direction or do you need to kind of lead them yeah, yeah no you've it's it's just develop developing stuff and like sometimes you know sometimes if you're with the right friend in the right place and like a lot there's there's songs on this new album that came out in you know like pretty crazy complex songs that just came out in you know a, a matter of a couple a couple hours um and those are really special but a lot of times i'll have a title in my back pocket i keep a running list of titles right so it's like i've just got whenever i think of a good title i put it in my put it in my log and when i'm in the studio often i'm just flipping back through and just looking at titles seeing what's jumping out at me but like sometimes sometimes great songs come out pretty fully formed you know, and that's really fun when that happens, and it's really special. What, are there any songs on this album that have done that? Uh, I mean, Last Man Dancing came out very fast. Uh, uh, really big deal. The last song I wrote for this record came out really fast. Um, it's funny. Then there's a couple songs that were written compl- across the world. Me and Shiva writing across the world from each other. When we were... So, you know, a couple of these things were written, like, during lockdown, right? So it's like we're writing remotely. Devil Came Down the Dance Floor, that chord progression took us days and days and days. And we were, because we were having to do it over the phone. The phone and and just, like, FaceTime. It took us a long time. So it it did take some, like, real determination. Um, But, yeah, I think a a lot of this stuff on the this record happened very um diamonds don't burn at the end of the album that 
that song happened so fast. The instrumental um, eight ball on the record happened. I love that. Happened really fast. I love that. Um, so I think it's about. I think it's about you know you I, you don't want to pre-plan too much, but it's just about ha- having your channels open when you're working, going with stuff, relaxing, having fun, having yeah. a sense of humor about it, enjoying the company that you're with. I think I think laughing and carrying on with whoever you're working with is like very important. Have there been any songs that you've written that have just been too painful? You know that that have. Because obviously you're talking about fun and and some of the big dance stuff. That's where you're drawing from. Yeah, but there's gonna you're gonna draw from other emotions, trauma, pain. I'm not great at it. Oh, I'm not great. I I'm not great. There's you know my first solo record. There is some. There is uh, there is some pretty sad songs on there. You know, but I've never been like great at writing like love songs or 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 sad songs. You know, there's a there's a few in there, but I feel like you know. I don't know. I don't know how much people want to hear me moping around. <laughs> like it's just, I mean, I've watched you perform and I just don't yeah. know how it would go. You know You'd still be I mean? like bouncing around the stage. Yeah, it's just like, it's not quite my sort of like general archetype and my, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty happy person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in general, my demeanor is very up. So the other week, other month, I don't know when it was, uh, I got invited kindly by you to come and watch you reimagine the songs of Bowie, Aladdin Sane, and it was incredible. And it was real, you know, I, I don't know why, but I just, it'd been one of those weeks where I'd not really thought about it. And then when I got there and it was Royal Festival Hall, such, mm. so mind-blowing. And obviously Bowie is, you can see it, you know, there's real moments and crossover moments and I go, wow, I see Bowie in you. But who else has informed and inspired you as, not as a songwriter more, but just as a performer? As a performer, I mean, he's not talked about that much, but I, I, there's this, there's a band called The Cramps uh, that is a sort of a punk rockabilly band from uh, late seventies, early eighties into the into the nineties, and the singer named Lux Interior, and his Quite wife nice. Poison Ivy. She played uh, guitar. She's, I mean, they're, they're really one of the great great punk bands. And uh, I remember going to go see, I went and saw them in high school so much. And his, you know, he would wear kind of like PVC, black PVC pants, like like dyed black hair, um, some sort of smock. <laughs> and, and, um, and like a short pump, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And would just go ape shit on stage he'd just go nuts and i would i would watch him just go and like lose his mind on stage like really just go into this like other sort of you do that though other trends well and i feel like that's you know that he was a big sort of you know inspiration of 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 kind of my performance style in certain ways obviously elton's been a giant not only you know is now a very dear friend and i would imagine has been somewhat of a mentor to you over the years yes very much so um you know he's he i mean he and david have been just like just figureheads in my life and elton is someone who i just i sometimes i've just i have to just pinch myself you know sometimes i'll like see him in concert i mean i've seen him a million times and it's just like i i it's just it's an amazing 
friendship and it's you know it blows me away i mean he he wakes me up many mornings on facetime and you know it's sometimes the first thing that i see when i wake up and uh you know we just have a laugh like we just like we just talk shit (laughs) and you know and I, i i love him very much um you know other i think growing up musically as a as an artist not necessarily as a performer but like uh back has just been a massive f- sort of figure in my life as far as like what i the you know the kind of i mean i'm never going to be you you're never going to be these people right but it's just like i can always look and and sort of as- aspire to like you know, it, it's, I don't know, aspire to that, that greatness. And like Beck is somebody who's just always done, you know, never made a bad record and makes what he wants to make. Like one album can be a party record. The next record is a, is sea change or morning phase, yeah. like gorgeous, like orchestral, sorrowful music. You know, I think the last couple of years, um, Roisin Murphy has just been like a huge, just a just a big deal for me yeah um you know i think I, I it's it's hard to sometimes find those artists that like that that do something that like change something in you and like she's been just one of those artists that's just like switched something up and made me feel something i haven't felt in like a really long yeah. time you're doing that yeah. this album though for sure what's that you you i feel that it's the first, as someone that's known you a long time, but also as a fan of what you do, I feel it's the album that you were supposed to make, this album. Mm. It's just, it is so exciting and it connects who you are. You know, you listen to it sonically and you go, oh my God, this is the kind of disco Tasmanian <laughs> devil that he is. And it's got everything. It's got the, the sexier stuff. The duet with Kylie is super sexy. Yeah. You know, I'm fingering myself on the dance floor for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just amazing. But obviously it's being so well received. People are loving everything. But what is success for you? Success for me, and I've been thinking about this lately, success for me is, is having the opportunity to put music out on a on just just to make make something and put it out and to be on stage in front of people and performing that to me is like i feel successful when i'm singing right you know well you've got and a whole summer of shows of that you've just yeah. you've just supported duran duran <laughs> yeah in these and, giant giant arenas. and then it just made it just that also just getting i mean i haven't played stages that big in such a long time and it just you know the beast in me awoke <laughs> you know it it came forth yeah. and like i fucking worked those stages and like just showed everybody what was what you know, well, you are and a showman. Like, you are a showman. And had and like, there's a confidence that I have now, like in, in that more so than ever. You know what I mean? I feel so comfortable. I don't get nervous. I have so much fun. I'm just like, it's so funny to me to run out there and like, just be like, "That's right, bitches. Here I am." You know what I mean? It's just so stupid. It's so silly, but funny. You know right. what I mean? I think it's hilarious, and it's it's. You know, turning a crowd, pulling people in, playing that game. That's 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 
that's fun and that's success to me and like everything else is just gravy you know final question mm. what is on Jake Shears the superstars rider beers extras you want here uh tube socks a lot of the time <laughs> uh it's very i've really been trying that to snack so much because i've got i'm really working like god i mean my my diet lately has been like because i gotta be i if i want fair. to i want to pull my shirt off at hoopla if i want to yeah you know what Please i mean do. i may not it. we've but got if tweets i want to be i want to be able to if i if i if i want to um you know, so it's there's there's not a lot of junk around. I do like a sugar free Red Bull. I you live your life wildly. Do, <laughs> I, do, I don't um I don't like any booze in my system before I go out on stage. How about the peak all. of scissors then? What was the rider then? We weren't all crazy. I mean, the Come thing on. here's the thing. Here's I'll, I'll tell you my anti rider. Right. When you walk into a fucking dressing room and you're like, who fucking stinks? Somebody stinks. Somebody smells really bad. Who is it? Like corned beef. I don't know. Who smells? This smells terrible. Whose feet stinks? And someone has brought in some like horrible stinky cheese that's been melting in front of yeah. your like dressing room gray. mirror lights. Like like in Remove a the dressing room. Gray. Get what, what the f- get it out of here. Yeah. What is going some so room temperature hummus? As long as like as long as there's not like melting stinky cheese in the dressing room, yeah. I'm I'm fine. Well, on that note, let's remove <laughs> the soggy brie and the limp crudite from the room. I love you very very I much. I love you Thank too. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>